Most of us begin with the habits of self-view. As Lumpur Sumedha would put it, the idea that I'm an unenlightened person who's got to do something now to become enlightened in the future. The Buddha recognized this, and even in the reflections that we have, they start with the habits of self-view. I am of the nature to age. I am of the nature to sicken. I am of the nature to die. So the habits of self-centered thinking, self-view, that's the ordinary, familiar, ground, beginning point. I am a person, this is my name, this is how old I am, my nationality, this is me. But then that ripens, the development of insight helps that to be seen through, or to the limited nature of those views to be recognized. The insight into not-self is then developed to recognize the body is not self, feelings are not self, perceptions are not self, mental formations are not self, sense consciousness, discriminatory consciousness is not self. The appearance is that I am of the nature to age, but that which is aging is not really, absolutely, who and what we are. So we start off with the habits of self-view, that's where the beginning point is, but then with the development of wisdom, awareness, insight, the view broadens, deepens. The heart sees through those superficial perceptions, those conventional views, like saying, the sun rises in the east in the morning. Well, yes, because of sitting on the surface of the earth as it spins. But if you leave the surface of the earth and you're out in space, the sun isn't rising in the same way. It sits where it is. So we recognize those habits of naming, perceiving, labeling who and what we are. I'm an unenlightened person who's got to do something now to be enlightened in the future. I've got these problems and obstacles and difficulties. I need to get rid of them, my defilements. I need, I need to get concentration. I need to develop my sila. I need to cultivate wisdom. That's what I need to do. I need to get rid of those unwanted, unhelpful things. Get hold of those helpful things. Those ways of phrasing and labeling things, reckoning what we are. That's familiar, ordinary, but it's crucial that those habits of thinking are not believed in, those ways of reckoning things, labeling things measuring things, are not taken as absolute.
over and over again, then Paul Sumater would say, we need to change the, the framework of Dhamma practice, the embodiment of Dhamma, the actualization of Dhamma, the practice of Dhamma, from me and my problems, to here is the awake mind, seeing the way things are. Changing the framework, the paradigm from I'm an unenlightened person who's got to do something now to become enlightened in the future to being awake now. And not a me being awake, but let wakefulness manifest. And that wakefulness is not a person, doesn't belong to a person. This which knows the person isn't a person. Right now, this very heart, this quality that is hearing these words, knowing this present reality, this awareness, it knows the personal, it knows the world, but it is not of the world. It is not identified with the person. It knows the personal, but it's not a person. Awareness has no shape, no age, no location, no name, no form. It's absolutely present. It's the one real quality here. But it's not old or young, tall or short, female or male. It doesn't have a nationality or a social status. It's not monastic or lay. It's not Theravadan or Buddhist. None of those qualities apply. It's awake, aware. And even to call it an it is also a bit of a presumption. This, this very aware quality here, this which is knowing this present reality, This is the very heart of the practice of Dhamma, the embodiment of Dhamma, being awake now. We speak of the practice, or the, the, the path of practice, the Eightfold Path, path implies there's movement along in a particular direction. Effort is being made to move. A direction is being taken. The path goes in a certain way. The Buddha used this language very deliberately. Work needs to be done. Effort needs to be made. Choices need to be skillfully deliberately made. That's why he spoke in terms of a path, developing the path, Bhāve Tabanti, it is to be developed, to be cultivated. So yes, there is work to be done because of the, the power of conditioning, the habits of identification and attachment, of fear, aversion, longing, opinion, memory, 
conceptualization, language, all of these influences work powerfully upon the mind. So, they need to be worked with. Effort needs to be made. Direction needs to be given. But the extraordinary and wonderful thing is that effort can be made without it being me that's making the effort. Choices can be made, direction can be given without it being me that decides. Me that chooses to go here rather than there. This is an essential element of cultivating the Dhamma, practicing the Dhamma. How effort can be made, how direction can be given free of self-view, free of conceit. Because it feels so much that it's me deciding to do this and not to do that. Me who's making the effort. It seems so normal, so ordinary, so familiar. But as long as there is a me who's practicing the Dhamma, it's not really that fulfillment of that potential. It's not Dhamma Anu Dhamma Patipada, or practicing the Dhamma in accordance with Dhamma. If it's me practicing to get rid of this and to become that, then it's practicing the Dhamma in accordance with self-view. It doesn't liberate. It might be well-intentioned, but it doesn't genuinely free the heart. So particularly in these formal retreat times, it's the ideal opportunity to get a sense for how effort can be made free of self-view, free of eye-making and mind-making. How decision can, decisions can be made, direction can be given, without there being a me who's the decider, me the chooser. Letting go of self-view in terms of effort and action, decision. What guides then is mindfulness and wisdom. An attunement of the heart to the present reality an awake, aware attunement to this present reality. That's what guides choice and action. And that mindfulness and wisdom isn't a person, doesn't belong to a person. It's that natural attribute of the heart itself. Over and over again, Lumpur Sumedho says, trust in awareness. It's not some external quality over there, but this very awareness itself, this quality of the heart that knows this moment, that hears the sounds of these words, that feels the sensations of these bodies, that knows the mood and the mind, and hears the sounds of the world. 
trusting in awareness is letting go of the eye-making and mind-making and trusting that that attunement of the heart to the present will guide skillful action, skillful speech. When it's time to move, there's movement. When it's time to be still, there's stillness. When it's time to speak, there's speech. When, there's time to, when it's time to be silent, there is silence. So trusting in awareness isn't just a kind of philosophical idea. It's a moment by moment, ever-present practice. Attuning the heart to its own reality. Here, now. And when that attunement is actualized, then notice how this body, this mind, the world continually adjusts. I like to call it a self-adjusting universe. And the balancing, the integrative agent, is this quality of knowing. Awakened, aware, knowing. Avijja dhatu, the element of knowing. That's the quality that integrates, like the conductor of the orchestra that holds everything together, is the attuning principle, coordinating integrative principle. Awakened awareness, this knowing quality of the heart, this is what guides action and speech, attunement. And then from that, what arises is peacefulness, spaciousness, limitlessness. The heart completely free of burdens, 